all right, let's jump into chapter four of the book of Revelation. Before we do, I want to give you a big picture overview of the first three chapters. We're going to do a recap. I do have a shorter, this, this part's going to be a little bit shorter than usual uh, because I did a lot of talking just now. So chapter one is an introduction, all right, and the main theme of chapter one is a glorified Jesus. You remember that? Okay. Chapters two and three are all about seven letters to the seven churches and the church as a whole, okay? That's two and three. You guys remember that? Okay, that brings us to chapter four, and the title of today's message is The Throne Room. Repeat that after me, The Throne Room. And summed up, chapter four is this incredible moment when John gets taken up or called up in the spirit. He is taken up by the spirit of God into heaven and allowed to enter and experience the throne room of God. And what he experiences there is what they just sang, our worship team just sang a little bit ago. Worthy of it all. It comes straight from this moment that John writes down in scripture. It's a, re, it's a really, and, we, and by the way, Cassie didn't know that that's what this was about. So she just picked that song and it's literally right here in chapter four is where that song comes from. So one minute, John is standing before a glorified Christ. The next minute, he's writing seven letters. And the next minute, he is taken or called up into heaven and standing before God Almighty. And what he sees is unlike anything in existence. It's unlike anything, it's unlike any book you've ever read or any movie you've ever seen. And today we are going to talk about it. Last week, I tricked you. We read the first two verses, then we talked about the rapture. Uh, but today we're actually going to go through chapter four. So let's jump in to chapter four. If you have your Bible, open it up. Chapter four, if you're following along in the Bible app, you can go ahead and pull that up, uh, click events, go to Summit Church, and you can follow along in there. Let's go ahead and read the first two verses again. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet. Who is the first voice he heard? It was God the Father. That voice said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And that throne is what we're gonna focus on this morning. Now, from this point on, from this point forward, in the book of Revelation, once John is standing in heaven and before the throne, he is going to be describing for us this heavenly scene in great detail. And I mentioned this the first week, 360 out of the 400 plus scriptures in Revelation are Old Testament references. So if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, a lot of this is going to seem really bizarre but I'm going to do my best to, to make it make sense and bring it to life for you uh, this morning. Okay, the first thing that John is going to describe is the Father God Almighty, the grand designer and architect of life, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, God Almighty. And he is the one that is sitting on the throne. So John sees a glorified Christ in chapter one, but now he is going to see the glorified father in chapter four. And I just have to tell you, it's almost beyond human comprehension. Like you'll get an idea and I'm going to show you some pictures. It, just know that whatever you see behind me here, and just, it, it's 
and infinitely greater than that. We, we, scripture says, no eye has seen, no, no, no ear has heard. You haven't even imagined the glory of the Father. So let's read John's description in verse 3. Verse 3. John says this, And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And remember, he is now looking at the throne of God. He who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, and all around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And this is a a very rough idea of of maybe potentially what John is seeing. And we're going to talk about the elements of this picture. But Jasper and Carnelian have a, 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 a red hue to them. So there's this glowing red hue coming out of the center of the throne. And all around the throne, this is incredible, all around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald, which is just this majestic, beautiful shade of green. It's gorgeous. You guys like Ireland? Anybody like, I mean, that's a weird question, but Ireland's beautiful, right? What is it called? The Emerald, the Emerald Isle. It's just absolutely gorgeous. There is literally a rainbow surrounding the throne of God. Right now in glory, there is a rainbow above and beside and beneath the Father God Almighty. Now, can you see why the enemy would want to pervert that? What God meant as a promise, the enemy is using as promiscuity. It's a slap in the face of the creator. Yet in many cases, it's being flown in churches and worn in pulpits. But listen to me, it is not symbolic of sexual preference or trans ideology. It is a symbol of God Almighty and his promise to humanity that he is coming quickly to restore what the enemy has destroyed. That's what the rainbow means. Let's keep reading. Revelation 4, verse 4. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Everybody say other thrones. thrones. What? And seated on them were 24 elders. Say 24 elders. We don't have that many elders, so I know it's not us, Ron. I know it's not us. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. 24 other thrones. 24 24 elders wearing white, a crown of gold. What does it mean? Who are the elders? Why are they wearing crowns? This is interesting. I want to give you one potential. Hear me on this. Potential. Potential theory. Okay? In 1 Chronicles 24, David chooses 24 priests to serve in the temple. And that really represents the work of the kingdom by the priests of God. And the priests, the elders, therefore, stood in on behalf of the people of God as a whole. Now, the scripture says that we are a royal priesthood. We are set apart. What else does it say? We are seated with him in heavenly places. It also says, there's a promise to us, that we will rule and reign with Christ and that we will be given a crown and that we will be wearing white, which represents purity. Why? Because we've been covered and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Now listen to me. There is some debate 
a great deal of debate and speculation on who the 24 elders are. Personally, I tend to believe that the 24 elders are representative of the body of Christ as a whole. So when you read 24 elders with crowns of gold, in my opinion, and the way I read scripture, this is representative of the church. 12 representatives of the tribes of Israel, 12 apostles. I believe this is a picture of the church of Jesus reigning and ruling with him in heaven. And this is going to be a recurring element, a recurring theme throughout the book. More on the 24 elders to come. Let's get to verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles, rumblings, and peals or rolling thunder. And in front of the throne were seven lamps blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Now, not only is this scene incredible imagery, John is describing some incredible things, what he's seeing, okay, and it's it's, uh, uh, just majestic beyond words. But there's also an intensity to it. Lightning, rolling thunder. In other words, John isn't just saying what he's seeing. He's trying to convey what he's feeling. He's saying, I'm standing before the throne of God and thunder. You ever been in your house and just this huge crack of thunder happens and everything shakes? He's saying, I am before the throne of God, and it's lightning, and it's thundering, and it's this awesome, overwhelming, all-consuming power that I'm feeling. And I believe that the lightning and the rolling thunder represents the awesome and overwhelming power and authority of God Almighty. Not only that, but I also believe that, that what John is seeing here, this is before tribulation, what John is seeing here is a storm that is brewing and representative of the wrath that is coming and is going to be poured out on the world before the great and the terrible day of the Lord. John is saying, not only is this scene incredible to look at, but also he's trying to express to us the sheer magnitude and grandeur and overwhelming weight and emotion and power that he feels radiating from the throne of God. Can you imagine that? Standing before the throne of God, the Father Almighty in heaven? Can you imagine what you might feel? That's what John is trying to tell us. Now, what's with the lampstands at the front of the throne? Remember, we talked a few weeks ago. What does the number seven represent? Completeness. It represents wholeness. Okay, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. It represents the entirety of something. This time, the lampstands do not represent the church, because I believe the 24 elders do. Instead, the seven lampstands, as Scripture tells us, in front of the throne represents the seven spirits of God, which is the spirit of the Lord, Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, fear of the Lord. Those are the seven spirits. And they represent the fullness of God. So so the lampstands are actually quite simple. They represent God in his complete form. John is saying, I'm not just seeing a manifestation of God, like the burning bush. No. I am in the presence of God in his complete form. You guys with me so far? The lampstands represent the fullness of God Almighty. Let's read verse six. 
Also, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. Okay, two parts to this. The sea of glass, if I'm unsure about anything, it's this part. Because it could go a couple different directions, all which have very plausible arguments to them. A sea of glass. Scripturally, a sea is representative of a multitude of people, okay? Or you could say all the people of the earth. And we can't be sure exactly what the sea represents, but one theory is that the sea represents humanity as a whole. Like, like God's kingdom is reigning on top of humanity as a whole. More on that in just a minute. Now let's talk about the four living creatures because this is crazy. Everybody say crazy. crazy. Cra- just crazy. Say it again. Crazy. crazy. Do this with your hand. Crazy. crazy. First of all, these are created angelic beings that have a great deal of authority and power. Just, just for this message, think of them as God's personal security team, God's personal bodyguards. He doesn't need them. Think of them like that. Revelation 4, 7 through 8a says this. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And there's a lot of theories and symbolisms. And y'all, I could spend the next two hours talking about them, by the way. I love this stuff. There's a lot of theories and symbolisms, but I want to I stick to the main thing. And it is this. One, one creature has the head of a lion. Strange, right? Six wings, very, very different. One, the head of an ox. The other, the head of a man. And the last, the head of an eagle. And they all have six wings. And here's a picture of what they may have looked like. We don't, we don't know. Kind of crazy. Tell me that's not, I told you, crazy. It looks crazy. And without getting too deep here, I believe that each creature represents a part of God, the Son, Jesus. A lion is fierce, a warrior, a protector. The ox is what? A worker, a servant. The man is one of us. But the eagle is high and lifted up and flying above it all, reigning above it all. And they're covered with eyes inside and out, meaning there is nothing unseen. There's no, God is all-knowing and all-seeing. Not only are these majestic creatures, would you mess with one of them? I mean, even if they were totally like, like docile, just looking at them, you say no. Especially the man. That's terrifying. That, that in the left-hand corner is supposed to be an eagle. Uh, it kind of looked like a pig or something. <laughs> like a flying pig. Not only are they protectors, let's say. Not only are these just incredible beings, but they are also worshipers. The rest of verse 8 says this. And day and night, night and day, They never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, who is to come. Night and day, they never stop saying, holy, 
holy, holy. What an incredible scene. You guys know Revelation song? You guys heard that? That's where it comes from. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's what Mike does on that part. These, these beings that surround the throne of God never stop declaring. They never stop singing. And this is the first worship service that we're going to see in the book of Revelation, but it is not the last. And speaking of worship, I want to talk to the men in the room for just a second. Somebody needs to hear this right now. In fact, I would say this is one of the main themes, if not the top priority of this message. And when I was putting this together, I felt the spirit of God on it. I started shouting upstairs. Dave might have heard. I would, yeah, kind of like, like Mike. Mike shouts better than I do. You can't shout like Mike. I want to talk to the men in the room for just a second. I know you're tough. I'm tough too. That's my wife. I know you're tough. I know you're a man, but you are not tougher than four living creatures. Yet they stand and declare They never stop before the throne of God Almighty, and they say, holy, holy, holy. And I'm here to tell somebody this morning that your manly does not exclude you from the command to worship. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, I'm coming for somebody. Hear me, your alpha male status does not make you exempt from the decree from the creator that says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And that means you. And listen to me, for the longest part of my life, the majority of my life, I was too much of a man to worship God. Leave it to the ladies. I'll carry the sword. She can carry the hymnal. But scripture says, that God is seeking true worshipers, not just protectors and providers. He's looking for true worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth, just like the four living creatures. Hear me on this. God is looking for real, obedient, mighty men of God that are willing to stand up and declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, who is to come. Somebody give God a shout of praise. But it doesn't end there. Revelation 4, 9 through 11, and this is going to finish out the chapter, short chapter. And whenever the living creatures, and whenever, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, this is important, the 24 elders fall down before him, same scripture Cassie just read a little bit ago, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever, they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, worthy are you, Lord and God, worthy are you to receive glory, to receive honor, to receive power, for you created all things. It all belongs to God. Nothing belongs to you, nothing. He created all things, and by your will, 
They existed and were created. That is the song that we just sang, and we're about to sing it again. The four living creatures, the warriors and protectors, are also the worship leaders. And I hope the men in the room are seeing this, because this is for you. And whenever they stand and declare, whenever they stand and worship, the whole family, the whole family in heaven, hear me on this, the whole family gets on their knees, casts their crowns before the throne and says, worthy are you, Lord. Listen to me, men. It is your job to lead your family into the presence of God. It is your job to lead your family into worship. It is your job to be the provider and the protector, but also the worship leader. And this is a picture not only of what we're going to be doing in heaven, but what we should be doing right now here on earth. And when the warriors in the church begin to worship, it causes the people around them regardless of their influence or title or prestige, when the men begin to worship, it causes the people around them to get on their knees and cast their crowns before the one. And I believe, and I feel the spirit of God on this. I believe that when the, the men in the church stand up and begin to worship, a revival will break out. The church will come back to life and the power of God will fall. That's what I believe. Listen, maybe, maybe the thing that is going to bring unity in your home is your worship. Maybe the thing that is going to bring healing to your marriage is your worship. Maybe the thing that is going to bring peace to your soul is your worship. We try to come up with all the answers and the solutions to the equations, but what if it starts with and is as simple as getting on your knees, casting your pride at the feet of Jesus, and surrendering in worship? Chapter 4 ends with the four living creatures, the most powerful beings leading worship in heaven, and the elders, the church, gets on their knees takes off their accolades and their titles and their prestige, everything, take it off. They passed it before the throne. And they say, worthy are you, God. Worthy are you of my submission. Worthy are you of my surrender. Worthy are you of my obedience. Worthy of you are my family. And there's no better time than right now to put our faith in action to join this song that is being sung in heaven right now. To get out of your seat, to come down front, to join the four living creatures and the elders and the multitudes in heaven that never cease to declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so right now I'm going to do something unique. And I'm calling the men to take a step of faith right now. Go ahead, everybody stand up. Let's all stand up. Here's what I want. 
Here's what I feel like the Lord wants, more importantly. If you feel the Spirit of God working on you, and He's working on somebody right now, all over the room, I want the men to come down front. Maybe you've been struggling in whatever area that may be. I believe it starts with this. I believe the next step starts with this. And when the world sees the men getting on their knees, and I'm not going to come around and pray for you. The elders are not going to come around and pray for you right now. This is just a moment for the men in the house to respond to the glory of the Father in any way that you see fit right now. Maybe you need to take a knee. Maybe you need to lift a hand. Maybe you just need to bow at the altar. You guys in the middle, scoot forward. Make room for the people that are stuck on the steps. Come on, filter in, filter in, guys. Filter in. This is a holy moment. Filter in. And we're going to sing this song that's out of chapter 4. All the saints and angels, bow before your throne. And right now, men in the house, I just want you to let it go. Let whatever that thing is that's been stopping you from worshiping Jesus. This is the moment to say, I'm done with it. I'm leaving it behind. Worthy are you. Holy, holy, holy. God is going to meet you right now. Let's sing this song. All the saints and angels.